You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. You're listening to Cheese and Packers, a project powered by the Packer and Podcast Network. I am your host, J.J. Leahy. I am joined once again by good old Coach Hawn. Y'all know him. Coach, how you doing? Thanks for coming on the show. Dude, it's my pleasure, man. It's always great to just get together with you and talk some football. It's going to be a blast. Um, so uh, you you joined us for the Packernet live stream uh, coverage of the draft. Had a blast with you on there. Um, question for you were you able to enjoy any of the draft um given how many picks came off the board and were not offensive line picks <laughs> uh, you know me well man um to be honest with you yeah i mean i i enjoyed the draft um i don't get as in-depth as many of you or, or your listeners um i don't really know as much about draft strategy and that sort of stuff so it was really cool to you know, get in there and learn a little bit and then just kind of tinker around with all the teams and see, oh, you know, that's an interesting pick or that might be mm-hmm. a perfect scheme fit and all of that stuff. And then, um, you know, lately just kind of go back and see if I can analyze some of the strategy used in the draft um, just to kind of get an idea of what we may be seeing in the future, specifically for Green Bay. So one nice thing is that uh, last time we had you on this podcast, which was just like a week or maybe two weeks before the draft, I'm starting to forget now. Uh, one of the guys that we talked about was Sean Ryan. He made your top three. Actually, uh, the way I wrote down my notes, you had him as your second favorite tackle prospect for the Packers. Trevor Penning, you know, would have been nice, but I think number two is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, as you said, uh, that number two tackle prospect for guys who were possible to fall to Green Bay. Um, you know, we kind of guessed that Charles Cross wasn't going to make it there. And, you know, Evan mm-hmm. Neal and some of these top tier guys wouldn't make it that deep in the draft. But um, and then seeing Trevor Penning go, it was like, OK, Sean Ryan would be a, a good fit. Not going to lie to you. I really thought Green Bay was going to take Tyler Linderbaum um, in the, that first round. Um, but kind of going back and taking a look at their picks, I guess it kind of makes sense as to perhaps why they didn't. So um, I think in the end, it's a big vote of confidence for Luke Buckett for sure. and for Stenovich. For sure. um, Green Bay saying, hey, we really need help in some other areas. We're going to get you some pretty good guys and we're going to trust you to make them great. And I think that is the sign of a great offensive line coach. So here's where I want to start our, our conversation today. My you know, when, when I'm looking back over the Packers uh, last three years, which is the entirety of Coach LaFleur's time in Green Bay, um, all three ended in, in playoff losses. And 
after I did all my thinking about those losses and I go ahead and put my bow on it, wrap it up, say, all right, here's my conclusion to this game. 2019 NFC Championship game, lose to the 49ers. The ma- major failure there was defensive line, uh, total inability to stop the run, plus the offensive line struggled. Uh, Rodgers was not able to sit back like he likes to do. The next year, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, NFC Championship game. Again, the defensive line couldn't get any pressure on Brady to save their lives. I think there were maybe two pressures total in that whole game by the defensive line, uh, including the outside backers. Offensive line, again, couldn't get their crap together. (laughs) Uh, And then this past year, Niners again, and we finally get a good defensive line performance. Uh, and I think it's it's pretty clear from the way that the, the first round of this draft went this year that Brian Gutekunst really wants to keep that going, that he liked where the defense was at and wants to maintain that level of performance. Offensive line, you know, they're missing a bunch of guys. They have like one or maybe two guys out there on the field who were from their preferred list of starters at the beginning of the year. Um at this point, you know, I, I roll into the draft hoping that they're going to really hit the offensive line hard. They did come away from the draft with three picks. One of them was a seventh rounder, of course. And then we added, uh, I think, four undrafted free agents. Definitely have restocked the room a lot. Of course, you lost Billy Turner, lost Lucas Patrick. As I'm looking at the offensive line right now, because we don't know for sure when we're going to get Elton Jenkins back. And, you know, when he's back, how much of him is back right away and, and where do you really want to stick him? I think we know left tackle is going to be David Boxiari. Other four positions along the offensive line, I think, are up in the air right now. And you got this uh, this race, I would say, between John Runyon, who was our left guard last year, Josh Myers, or our center last year, Royce Newman, our right guard from last year. Those three guys, plus... New additions, Zach Tom and Sean Ryan picked in the third and fifth round. And then, you know, whenever Elton comes back, you know, he's going to get a spot wherever they feel like he's physically able to handle uh, and and he'll take precedent over anybody else. But leaving him out of the mix for a minute, we got those five guys competing for four jobs here, which is going to turn into three jobs. All that long spiel to say, let's have a good old talk about the guards and center and who the heck is going to be our right tackle this year and how these new guys fit in with the old guys. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the million dollar question, isn't it? Um, and I went back and so the last time I was on the show, um, and you kind of mentioned it, you know, post show, um, I had mistaken Josh Myers for, um, Corey Lindsley. So I was looking mm-hmm. back on, on some tape from Jacksonville and then, you know, those Ohio state centers. Yeah. They're all the same, right? They're all <laughs> very, very good. Um, looking back on some tape rolling from Jacksonville into Indianapolis, thinking it was Josh Myers, but it was actually Lindsley. So I went mm-hmm. back and watched some Josh Myers stuff. Um, if, if he can stay healthy, he's your, he's your answer there. Um, okay. That's your guy there. I think left guard should be pretty much wrapped up with Runyon. I didn't hate what I saw from him. Um, you know, Obviously, Chicago scooped up Patrick. I think it's a great pickup for them. Uh, sure. Can help a lot of their woes. But now you're looking at an entire right side of the line that has to be replaced or be figured out. You know, so now this becomes this really cool battle. I think between 
Yash perhaps um, could be in the mix. Oh, totally yeah. forgot to mention him. I should have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got Yash, you got Royce Newman, um, who who should be in the mix. And then you got Zach Tom and you got Sean Ryan. And then you, you got Rasheed Walker, if you can claw his way through. So you've yeah. got some options there. None of them truly ideal for right tackle, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly for right guard, though. You've got a couple that are are really kind of looking. I didn't hate Royce Newman's game there. So if he can continue mm-hmm. to elevate, you know, he could be the answer. Um, but then really taking a look at, you know, just the raw build and the aggressiveness, I think Sean Ryan is going to make a true push at right guard. Now, of course, the answer or the question becomes, what do you do at tackle? I think um, both Zach Tom and Sean Ryan tend to dent the pocket quite a bit, which is going to be a real um, struggle in the pro game when you see differences in, you know, 10 second or excuse me, 10 yard speeds of, you know, quarter seconds or better. I mean, they're going to go against some elite edge rush and you got to be able to really move to get out there, but not only move to get out there, actually hold your own against it. You know, you can't just mm-hmm. hit contact and be driven back into the pocket. So that was when you say, when you say dent the pocket, are you saying that they get pushed back or? Yeah. Um, denting the pocket is where your, your outside shoulder. So for a right tackle, the right shoulder, that strong side shoulder, mm-hmm. it's turned a bit. And if that shoulder can get turned, it, it tends to do that naturally as you're starting to gain the angle um, mm-hmm. in your pass pro. It does that a little bit naturally. So if you let the pass rushers hands into your chest, they can really twist you. It's a difficult thing to get out of. And then they can do what we call run the hoop or take the shortest path possible to the quarterback. So in order Mm -hmm. to kind of fight that, you have to have great core strength and you got to kind of bowl back into it and settle your hips down. Um, And when doing that, you know, you can start to collapse that pocket in a little bit. I thought that was a big concern coming out for both of them, for both Zach and Ryan. Um, and then taking a look at their film, you know, it's seeing that they're denting the pocket and then seeing that this is kind of Green Bay's MO where it, it almost seems like they don't really care that much about it. I do often wonder if a lot of the escapability of Aaron Rodgers comes into play there, where when that pocket gets dented, he can go ahead and hit his escape route. And then that's when we see scramble drill happen. That's when we see all the magic happen, right? When he's uh, able to get go ahead and get out of the pocket. Some nice things schematically they can do. Um, you know, you, you can slide protect that and give chip and go help from a tight end, an H-back, a, a running back, whatever that is. You can kind of slow some of that stuff down schematically. Obviously, there's cons to that. Can't have a five-release game. You can't do man slide, you know, all that sort of stuff. But schematically, there are some answers there if your right tackle is going to struggle. And to be honest with you, your right tackle, you're going to have to have patience, whoever it is, as long as their name isn't Elton Jenkins. You're going to have to have a little bit of patience coming into this um, and understanding weeks one, two, three probably won't look the same as weeks 11, 12, 13 for some of these guys. So you got to give them a little time to develop. You got to trust Luke Buckus. I'm sure the Packers are going to scheme up a lot of help for him early on. um, And then hopefully they can start to kind of take those reins off and see where they can go from there. Last year, the run game really never got going. Um, and, and and I think some of us were a little bit surprised by that, uh, especially have it when, when Josh Myers was in the game. He's such a big guy. Ohio State runs the ball real well. I think some of us were a little bit surprised that even when he was in in the game there, the run blocking you know really never got up to acceptable levels at any point in the year. Yeah, I think um, a lot of that kind of has to do with the continuity problems that you saw with the offensive line. I, I mean, was wondering about that. It was it's it's just such a revolving door, and this sort of stuff. There's a real feel 
to offensive line play, especially in the run game. And it's a, it's a very difficult thing to describe with words. Like you have to see it, you have to be around it, you have to experience it. Um, there's no way to really describe it. But as, as you know, two or three guys really start to work together, there's this, this communication that starts to develop that's non-audible, that you just kind of start to understand and know, you gel really, and you understand and know what that guy's about to do. So it's really difficult, like for a guy like Josh Myers, who is big, who is punishing coming off of the mm-hmm. ball. Um, you got to understand the, the other people on the line of scrimmage are big and punishing as well. You know, so sure. if you can work those double teams, you get uh, a combo off a scrape up to linebacker level. That's when you see some of these really big runs develop. If that sort of stuff isn't happening, if you're a little bit late to the scrape, if you're a little bit too early on the let go. So all of a sudden you get a defensive tackle blowing through a double team, whatever that is. If you don't have great continuity there, uh, you're going to struggle a bit in the run game. Well, what about uh, John Runyon in the run game? Because and I know that you're not the biggest fan in the world of PFF, and that's fine. PFF really likes Runyon as a pass blocker, and they were pretty underwhelmed with what he did as a run blocker. Uh, they they graded him out well below average. Sure. Um, I don't think John Runyon is terrible. I mean, his, his pass pro game is better. Um, let's be honest. He does tend to lean um, coming off of the ball, which allows him to get shocked and shed. We call it spilled. Um, he can get spilled off of a lot of these blocks, especially in a wide zone scheme. And then when you come back, your counter is usually duo or inside zone. Um, you got to be able to displace weight. You got to be able to move weight if you're if you're going to be a successful run blocker. Oftentimes, you'll see him lean, and it's just a habit that's developed by big guys as they go through the game, right? Like, you you can lean on dudes because you've always been bigger, you've always been stronger. You mm-hmm. get to that pro level, you know, it, it's it's a little different. And again, these are, you know, 26 years of habits that have to be untaught. Um, so it's going to take a really good offensive line coach to do that. I, again, I think you got one of the best in Buckus. I think you got one of the best in Stenovich. So I think that'll develop even more. I think the big thing is just, Stay healthy and stay healthy with five across the line. If you can do that and continue to build that continuity, then you get Runyon's and Runyon and Myers working together a little bit more. Um, things are going to be a lot more successful. Let's bounce back over to the right tackle again. Um, curious about Yash Nyman and and how he might fit in there because we haven't never seen him at right tackle. Uh, they they wouldn't let him play at left tackle in the playoff game to the chagrin of me and uh you know curious first of all your thoughts on how yash played throughout the year and you know where you would expect to see him in the mix there with ryan and um and zach tom there for the for the right tackle uh to start the year yeah um unfortunately for yash i don't know that it's so much a yash thing as much as it is uh, a Ryan or a Zach Tom thing. I would put Ryan mm-hmm. above Zach Tom um, in the foreseeable future just because he's so aggressive off the ball. He's a punisher uh, in the run game, and he, you know, his flaws are the same as, as Zach Tom's in the pass game. Um, okay. I'm not exactly sure that it's really up to Yash. I mean, we've seen him. He came out of Virginia Tech, what, three years ago now? We've seen Sounds him right. climb around. You know, he climbed around a little bit on the practice squad, right? And then he – um, was able to develop into a, a relatively decent offensive lineman depth-wise and then did his job, you know, when called upon, but wasn't that exceptional dude. Didn't take that that leap 
um, like you were kind of hoping to go from practice squad to active and now active to, you know, developing into quality starters. So it, it might be, I mean, I've been wrong before. Yash, it'd be awesome to see Yash uh, get that right tackle position. But I think if Yash does get it, um, that's kind of a, a tough scenario for Green Bay fans because that kind of means that maybe Yash didn't really earn it per se, but he's the better right. option than Ryan at this point. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Just um, <clears throat> your two cents. I'm not asking you to, you to pick a fight with uh, Buckkiss or Steno. Your two cents. Uh, the decision to sit Yash over Billy Turner, who had been out for about, I think, six weeks at that point and had not practiced at left tackle. Do you think that was the right call? Um, I don't know. I, I, I know that's not the answer you're looking for. Um, physically and, and, and just scheme familiarity, I would say, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Billy Turner okay. is you know, going to be the better option there. Um, but again, that kind of comes back to that vote of confidence or lack thereof in Yash. Um, you know, if you're, if you're in a playoff game, you know, it's sudden death, right? You know, you're there to win it or mm-hmm. you're there to go home. And if you have more confidence in Billy Turner at a position that he hasn't practiced very much at and hasn't played very much at, you know, I think that's kind of a, a screaming condonement on Yash Nyman, right? Yeah, for sure. Zach, Tom, talk to me about what you like about his game and, and then describe him as a, a pass blocker. You mentioned that he and Ryan have very similar shortcomings in their pass protection game. Sure. Love Zach Tom's feet. I mean, I will stand on a mountaintop and say this. Nick Tabaka, his old offensive line coach at Wake Forest, um, one of the pioneers at, at building the block from the ground up, all about foundational stuff, all about the feet, all about the knee bend, all about the hips and the angles and covering ground and using using angles in the pass pro game. Love it. This is the, the Nick Tabaka special, if you will, is Zach Tom. He is exceptional at covering ground. He's exceptional at covering up, especially wide defenders. You know, you get a seven technique or even these wide nines that um, you'll see every once in a while out of a a scheme like Washington or Minnesota. Um, It's a long way to cover ground. It's a long way to go. Zach Tom does that incredibly well. Now, when he gets into contact is when we tend to have a little bit of trouble. Okay. He's lacking a little bit of aggression to me, and he's lacking a little bit of beef upstairs. He um, he covers ground exceptionally well. He gets to where he needs to be. And then it's almost like his feet freeze for a second or, or just kind of stop moving. And he more more so catches the defender as opposed to bringing the pain to him a little bit. You know, gets himself set up in a great position. We saw it in a ton of the film against Florida State. And again, every once in a while against Vandy. Um, gets himself in a great position with just dumb athleticism and then just kind of waits for something to happen. You want to see that nasty, that dog come out a little bit. He does a great okay. job of using independent hands, he, um, but he can get long-sticked. You know, so if a defender is going to bring their their long arm into his chest, he'll give that up, and then he can be stuck and he can be steered by that defender, and that's not a great thing. You know, you want to see a little bit more of that. I don't know if it's a confidence thing or if it's just his personality. I've never actually talked to the guy, but you want to sure. see a little bit of that nastiness come out. you you got to see – the whole thought process of pass pro is not passive come out a lot more in Zach Tom. If you are the position coach for these guys, um, Luke Buckus got abducted by aliens and they call up coach on. All right. That's not great. Not great. Packer fans. Not great. (laughs) But, uh, but, but with these guys, 
where are you starting with with uh, with coaching them up to get them ready for for the next level? Uh, what are what are the things that 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 they're going to be put through, uh, you know, from a practice and from a studying uh, standpoint? And and part part of why I'm asking you is because I know that you talk to a lot of these coaches, uh, Buckus, for example. You got a little bit of a window into what kinds of things uh, they they prioritize and kind of what their uh, their system is there. Um, but then, but also you, you, you've also watched these guys and you know, some of the things that they need to be working on, uh, individually. Yeah, dude. The first thing we're doing is footwork. I mean, the very first thing, if you're going to run a scheme like this, you're going to run a wide zone run scheme. You're going to run a, a, a many times empty pass pro set, or you're going to start and chip and release a back to where you're five man protecting. You gotta, you gotta be able to get to a spot. Getting somewhere with the right technique, but getting there a little bit late does you no good. So what I'm mm-hmm. going to do is I'm going to teach you where to go, and I'm going to then teach you how to get there. Um, once we once we have that established, then we're going to go through exactly what to do to get there. So right now, Zach Tom is killing it in the first two. He knows exactly where to go, and he can get there better than many, most, I would say, in the NFL right now. Freak athlete just bounds out there, does great stuff. Now that we've gotten there, now that we've really built that up throughout our mini camp, throughout our practices, whatever, now we got to bring the dog out a little bit. And this is where I love to do it, even with high school kids. You know, I love to go live through my whistle and, you know, I'll have an extended whistle and you're going to learn like this fight might last a little while. Like you got to bring your lunch pail. So we're going to give the, the offensive lineman a bit of a disadvantage. And we're going to go ahead and start that defensive end off sides. We're going to go ahead and start that defensive oh. end three yards away from you. Like you're, we're going to start you in a losing position right away Ooh, like where <laughs> your, your feet are staggered and you're in a bad position and that defender is going to be locked up on you. And you got to show me your moment of truth. You got to show me how you're going to get out of that. You got to start to learn from a disadvantaged standpoint because you're not going to go against practice dudes in on Sundays. You have to go against the very best. So I'm going to take these dudes who may not be the very best right now, and I'm going to give them the advantage and you're going to fight your way out of that. And once we start seeing those type of actions really start to come through and we do it with, with the utmost positivity, right? Like we just celebrate, like sure. you would, you would think we're scoring a touchdown every play because an offensive lineman had the ability to fight back against cross uh, pressure, crossing his face, something like that. Just start to build that confidence and build that borderline arrogance of like, you're not getting through here. Like, I don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm the best darn dude that you're going to see this, this year and you're not getting through. And I know this about myself because I've been putting in, anxiety riddled situations in practice. Now this game is slow to me. This game is easy. I can do this. You know what I mean? So that's kind of how I build my practices right now. And I know the pro game is, is completely different, right? It's so complex. It's so ornate. It's amazing. But at the end of the day, you're still dealing with human beings, right? So if you can build confidence, you can give anxiety riddled situations of practice and let them hammer through it and work their way through it and support them through it. Then all of a sudden come Sunday, um, the haze in the barn, baby. You can just kick back in the press box and enjoy the show. Very nice. All right. Appreciate that window into uh, what it, what it's like to go through the Coach Hahn School of Offensive Line. Um, let's talk. Let's talk a bit about uh, Royce Newman. Uh, rookie year last year. Uh, I think by about the middle of the season, in terms of his play on the field, um, I would say he kind of hit rock bottom for a while. It, it was not looking good. But he turned things around by the end of the season, was playing some really quality football. What are your thoughts on his rookie season and where that kind of sets him up for success going forward? 
Yeah, I think you nailed it. I think, you know, we saw some lows, um, great vote of confidence in Royce, you know, athletic ability wise, those, those coaches obviously believe in him. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like you had a ton of options sitting behind you, but you had options, right? So if it was, if the job wasn't getting done, like (laughs) one thing Stenovich has done is if you're not getting the job done, we're going to find somebody else, you know, um, and and he's been very good at that. If you take a look at the plethora of offensive linemen that have started a game for Green Bay in the last four years, that is a laundry list compared to some other teams. So if you're not getting the job done and we don't see growth from you week to week, you'll, you'll go, we'll find somebody else. Um, that, that vote of confidence in Royce when he was struggling, um, but but Stenovich at that point in time and Buckus as well kind of knew like, hey, this is a dude, we, we got to work with him. That's kind of going back to some of the practice stuff of like anxiety riddled situations. You know, his, his um, correct me if I'm wrong, week 11 and 12 were, or excuse me, 12 and 13, I believe, something like that. Um, later on in the second half of the year, um, not looking great, you know, and, and really came along. Royce. I'm sorry? You said for Royce? Yeah, for Royce. Yeah, I don't yeah. – it was a little later on in the second half of the, the season. I don't have those um, games ahead of me right now. But not looking stupendous and then um, really started to play. I thought he, thought he played well. Uh, towards the end of the year. So that's kind of the dog that you're trying to beat out right now at right guard, I would think, um, with assuming there's no Elton, right? Like assuming you're not going to have Elton for the start of the season. Maybe it's a week four, week five thing. Um, Royce is a dog you're going to have to beat out. Now, you know, coming back with some confidence, you know, a little quality play, um, coming back with some confidence, coming back with some experience. uh, He might be a main player. Okay. That'd be interesting. Yeah, I'm looking. um, I know week eight, uh, or, or sorry, week nine against Kansas City was definitely where yeah. I was kind of ready to run run him out of town. Um, I'm curious if you know it's been it's been a little while. What's your recollection from the Jordan Love game in terms of what we saw from the offensive line? Because there are a lot of moments where you can watch some plays from that game, and you know, I as a layman, I'm looking at it and saying. I don't know how love is supposed to get anything done because nobody's blocking for him, you know, and, and how much of that of the offensive line struggles were a result of who was under center, probably a lot of them. What's your recollection of that? We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So us cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. 
Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, I think Kansas City just played a ton of man, brought a ton of pressure. Um, incredibly intelligent pressures. Um, set up to attack specific offensive linemen, Royce being one of them. Um mm-hmm. And they just dared Jordan Love to beat him. Um, there yeah. were a lot of times you saw a man under spy. Um, there were a lot of times they would flush Jordan Love out. Very intelligent defense that I was just able to learn about this offseason. I didn't recognize it when I first saw it. But um, flushing Jordan Love out of the pocket into areas where they knew he would be so that they can have an unblocked hitman there for him to start to disturb. I mean, just really incredibly intelligent stuff that you saw defensively from Kansas City. And then just... Um, you know, some some fish out of water on the offensive line. All of a sudden, seeing these these pressures and these athletes that Kansas City had on the defensive line and linebacker level um, coming at you and just scheming up one on one matchups to pick on offensive linemen. Like Kansas City straight up dared Jordan Love to beat them through the air by playing a lot of cover one and saying, "Hey, we're going to bring the house, and we don't think you can do it, and we don't think your offensive line can do it." And they were right. My guess is they had a plan B, you know, if mm-hmm. some of this stuff got picked up or if, if Love made some incredible plays under duress or whatever, you know, they were going to drop back to more of like a, a cover three spinner or try to confuse him in the secondary. Didn't see, didn't have to see a ton of movement pre and post snap. Um, you know what they were going to do and they executed it very well. So, you know, kind of a, a damnation, if you will, on the offensive line, but it's also kind of a, a patchwork quilt of offensive linemen in there with a backup quarterback. You can't expect right. a ton of good, right? <laughs> well, Spags was incredible that day. And uh, I, I have often thought about Aaron Rodgers sitting at home watching that game on TV and just going, man, what I would do to this team if they ever dared to, to try this on me. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be the oh, blitz that stuff that you see Aaron Rodgers struggle with now. Like the blitz <laughs> stuff he struggles with now, the Tampa Bay stuff, the, yeah. the you know, you got all these sims and all these creeper pressures and all this sort of stuff that you have to play zone behind, or well, don't have to, but you tend to see a zone behind and, you know, that sort of stuff, um, baiting Rodgers into a window. That's the sort of stuff he struggles with. If they'd have dared to do that against him, uh, if Kansas City did, Green Bay's putting up 42 and, and waltzing out of there with their heads high. Rashid Walker, did you get a chance to watch him yet? I did. Yeah, yeah. I watched a little bit of his film against Ohio State. Um, you know, he's going to need some work. He's not a tackle. I'll tell you that right now. He's not a tackle. Um, I like the guy. I think he's got ability, especially if we can tuck him inside into a phone booth. But, okay. you know, the, the poor guy against Ohio State was kind of kind of out to the wolves, um, mismatched on speed, um, mismatched on bull rush, um, had, had some struggles there. If you can give him a little help by protecting him with just the splits of the center and tackle around him, I think he's got he's got some solid ability. Um, I just don't think that uh, I don't think he's a tackle answer unless he develops something like Yash did when he went from practice squad up to that uh, that starting or excuse me that um, active Swing tackle. Yeah, um, uh, another guy on the offensive line got a 
undrafted free agent by the name of Caleb Jones. Have you, have you checked him out yet? Have you heard of him? I've not. No, I mean, I've heard of him. I saw him come across some of the wires and stuff, but I've not given him any real looks. Um, just been kind of diving into the drafted dudes and really trying to take a look into them as well as what your current roster is. So, Jones, I got nothing for you, man. Well, the reason I bring him up, he's a really intriguing guy to me. At six foot nine, 370 pounds, this dude is the biggest guy on our roster by two inches and 40 freaking pounds. Uh, odds of him making the the, uh, the 53, I, I don't think, are high, but it'd be cool to see him stick around for a few years and uh, maybe see if the coaches can develop that massive hunk of athletic potential that he has there. Uh, man, fun to watch him walk around. Uh, you have anything interesting? Because, you know, we, we see that in high school too. You know, we usually make those kids get off the bus first, right? You know, they're just these <laughs> giant specimens. But it it does come down to a lot of attitude and a lot of a lot of aggression, right? So if, if you're around, you know, middle school to high school sports a lot, like, like I am, you see a whole lot of kids who look the part, but then you kind of notice right away, like, hey, you know, may, maybe they don't got it. And there's a, another kid who's maybe a little more decisive, a little more confident, a little more, you know, whatever that is, where you're like, oh, okay, you know, this is so you see at, at a high school level in a mm. pretty big high school like ours, you know, our our starting center this year was five foot eight and probably 230 to 235 and just an unbelievable player because he had that mojo about him. Right. So it, it the measurables are fun. Don't get me wrong. The measurables are like I would love. Six nine three seventy, right? Like we could do some stuff. Right. Just making him stand there would be awesome. But um, that's not <laughs> that's not always the case, and that's not always the final answer, right? All right. Uh, anything else interesting about the offensive line uh, that we should touch on? Uh, but got a couple other players on the roster that I think are are pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I kind of and I, I mentioned this on on Ryan's show just a little bit ago. Um, I think I kind of narrowed down, if you will, just kind of looking at all of the offensive linemen that Green Bay okay. to look at. I think I kind of narrowed down exactly what they were looking for. And then some Ooh, surprising yeah. things that um, seem to not matter to them at all. So um, okay. some of the things I think, I, I guess this, I don't have any inside information on this. It's just from looking. But some of the things I think they're looking for, they really want athletes. They need somebody who can cover mm-hmm. ground. They want a freak athlete, somebody who can really just get out and move. They don't want these big duds. They're not looking for a road grader, right? They, they need dudes who can move. They're looking okay. for guys with a lot of playing experience in college. You take a look at Ryan. He was a, a four-year dude. Um, I believe mm-hmm. he burned a red shirt, if I'm not mistaken, for Chip Kelly and Justin Fry there in UCLA. Um, Zach Tom, a three-year dude. So they're looking for guys with a lot of tape, a lot of on-field experience. They really like positional dexterity. You know, they want to see, we saw Sean Ryan uh, play right tackle against Oregon for UCLA for a full game. And then against LSU, they did a ton of unbalanced, really fun Chip Kelly type stuff where they're going to move him over to the right side next to the right tackle um, and just Mm -hmm. play some overload ball. You saw Zach Tom kind of all over the place as well for Wake Forest. Um, So they really like that positional dexterity. They want guys who understand not just their job, but everybody else's job. And they really look for climb in a zone scheme because two of the best ones to do it are Sean Ryan and Zach Tom. How you get on and then how you get to second level should you be the push-off offensive lineman, um, that's big for them. Some of this kind of surprising stuff that it seems like Green Bay didn't even care about at all. They don't care about arm length. Couldn't care less about arm length. I mean, mm-hmm. these guys, they're big knocks. You know, they have short arms. They, you know, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Um, they couldn't care less times. about it. Um, they drafted them both, and and they're going to love them both. 
Um, they don't really seem to mind, and this kind of goes back to the John Runyon thing, they don't really mind the lean in the run game. You know, it's something they're going to fix. It's something they're going to work on. They're going to get their feet moving at the moment of truth of point of contact. But both Zach Tom and and uh, Ryan, they they lean in the run game. So you got to you got to think that Green Bay either has enough faith and trust in Buckus to fix it, or it doesn't really matter all that much to them in a zone scheme. And then it also, as we mentioned before, it didn't seem like they were super concerned about pocket dents, about the edges mm-hmm. being crushed in on the on the the tackles, which could mean two things really that they don't see either one of these dudes playing tackle for any extended amount of time. And then all of a sudden that pocket dent isn't as big a deal when you're inside at guard Um, or that they could play tackle. And if the pocket gets dented, Aaron Rodgers hits that escape route and makes some magic happen. So I think um, those things are kind of telling as to why they didn't go after a first rounder like Linderbaum, why they didn't pursue a trade up in the second to try to go in and, and get Kenyon green or any of this sort of stuff. Um, they just have confidence in Buckus, and they have confidence in and what their draft strategy is. And it's going to be a really exciting year on the offensive line for Green Bay, man. I'm telling you that. Yeah. Well, we got uh, nine drafted offensive linemen in the last three years, uh, and, and they keep going a little bit earlier and earlier. I think two years ago we had three uh, sixth rounders, I want to say. Last year we had started the, the offensive line run started in the fourth round. This year we started in the third round. Um, definitely have a, a pool of guys now to really study and uh, maybe get even more accurate with our projections next year for who they're going to be interested in. But hey, point to you for picking out Sean Ryan uh, out of the three guys that you said, okay, one of these three guys is a Packer. Uh, Sean Ryan was second on your list there. So uh, well done right there. Looking forward to our coverage uh, for next year's draft. Uh, linebacker real quick, because you actually played uh, linebacker. Um, I know you've got a lot of thoughts. Uh, you, <laughs> you didn't have a lot of thoughts right away when we took Quay Walker. Uh, <laughs> you, like me, were kind of sitting there going, come on, uh, my guy is right there for you. That was Tyler Linderbaum. Uh, for me, actually, it was uh, Devontae Wyatt, who we ended up taking just uh, six picks later. So, uh, you know, at least I got to have my cake and eat it, too. Uh <laughs> But uh, Quay Walker is going to be an interesting addition to the defense this year, especially since, you know, you're putting him right next to the guy that he's compared so often to uh, in Devondre Campbell. A lot of people just kind of describe him as a Devondre clone. Uh, It's going to be interesting having those two guys out there at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, clarification for your listeners, when you say I played linebacker. You're technically correct, but what I was really good at was allowing flat routes to get outside of me and go score. That was if there was a position <laughs> for that. That's exactly what I did a great job at. That, but no, uh, uh, that's why you're not in the NFL. I you're exactly right. That in my five foot seven, one seventy pound frame and my inability to process things quickly or do anything resembling anything athletic. All of those things are kind of uh, needed in the NFL. But uh, Quay, no, Quay is, is, you know, like you said, that Devondre clone. Um, Initially, I thought one of the areas of least need for Green Bay was inside Mm -hmm. backer. You know, I thought we'd see one fifth or sixth round maybe. Um, So for them to pop off first round, that kind of felt like initially like, oh, that's a Joe Barry pick. But going through and seeing how he runs his defense, and this is a guy that, you know, defensively I lean on Sam Holman a lot. He's he's incredibly intelligent at, you know, how how Green Bay slings the fits and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I lean on him a lot and watching Quay react. It's like, this is a prototypical dude that you want. You know, Green Bay is going to try to spill. 
as opposed to box, which means they're going to try to take these inside runs and push them to the edge and rally to them. And you can do that when you have safeties like you have that love to run the alley and then um, corners that aren't afraid to set the edge. I mean, you got you got some dudes, especially if you start tucking Jair into some nickel stuff, you got dudes who are not afraid to set the edge. So you can spill, spill, spill out to them and then get these really stalking type linebackers who move laterally well, who are patient, who are disciplined, and then just absolutely shoot and trigger when they see that hole. So we've seen this whole unbelievable shift in linebackers lately where it went from this big Brutus mean dude who's just going to hammer through a gap and, and blow up a guard or a center to now these kind of faster, more athletic kind of stalking, almost to the point where it's like they're playing running back on defense, where they're just mm-hmm. going to patiently mm-hmm. wait for everything to develop in front of them. And when they yeah. see de- the daylight, they go attack it. And that's what Devondre does so well, right? He is just an absolute predator. He just stalks and stalks and stalks. And there is absolutely no hesitation when he sees those blocks start to develop and he knows where that running back is going to be. He is just a violent player when it comes to that, but it's a really difficult thing to find, right? Imagine being patient, 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 and then just knowing exactly when you're going to attack and getting there without hesitation. So to have a scrape fold player like Quay in there with Devondre, um, if they do see the field together, if they're not in direct competition while Quay continues to develop, if they do see the field together, uh, y'all are in for a treat, man. Because then imagine the fun stuff you can do in 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 the in the blitz game, right? Imagine you right. Guy, like, dude, Devondre can cover. He's got unbelievable eyes. He's very active in the coverage game. So you can all of a sudden get a four-man rush with a drag dog blitz or something along the backside where you got a Quay coming off the edge and the D-line stunting. And then Devondre all of a sudden taking the middle on mesh. Oh man, you guys could have some fun. This is this is a really cool pick. I didn't love it at first because it went against Tyler Linderbaum, but now I'm like, yo, this is a dope pick. This is really cool. All right. You're, you're getting me way too excited here. We got months until we get an actual football game. I got to calm myself down a little bit. My apologies. Let's, let's talk about some of these undrafted free agents. Uh, there's a couple guys guys uh, who you were pretty excited to see. Uh, so Danny Davis did get signed by the Packers. Um, and then uh, Ryan Wisniewski has not been signed yet. He did get a, a rookie minicamp invitation. Don't know if he's going to actually make the cut, but uh, pretty cool to see some Wisconsin guys uh, getting a shot there. Uh, and I know Danny Davis in particular was a guy that you were excited about. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, Danny Davis, I, I I don't become a fan of teams that I don't coach unless they're the Wisconsin Badgers. Got a lot of friends out there. <laughs> that um, a, a, a kid that I coached ended up uh, playing for, for Wisconsin for a long time, just got drafted. You know, uh, we work all the time with Jimmy, Jimmy Leonard and his crew. So really a Wisconsin Badger fan, right? Um, Danny Davis is, is kind of electric in the return game. I can't compare him to say – and. I get it, Packer fans, you don't love hearing it, but I can't compare him per se to an Amari Rodgers or something like that because I haven't seen him really side by side. But the stuff that Danny Davis did for Green Bay on specials um, was pretty electric. For Wisconsin, yeah. I'm sorry, what did I say, Green Bay? <laughs> yeah. For the Badgers, maybe, my apologies. Maybe you're just speaking into existence. Yeah, perhaps that's it. Um, you know, he he can be pretty special. He's a, he's a pretty nasty little athlete, um, and he, he's a fighter. You know, he'll – I watched him every Saturday um, try to win jump balls um, in a very run-heavy scheme, and he's a dude who's going to do exactly what's asked for him. You know, in duo, which Wisconsin loves to run, 
you're going to ask that lone receiver to get up and crack the alley. That means he's taking on a safety and a crack block one-on-one. Um, he's a very good blocker in that aspect. He's got some teeth. He doesn't mind it. So I, I like Danny Davis. Um, but the one who I'm, I'm really excited about, got to watch all the time, a kid out of Sparta, which is uh, pretty close to us, and then went to school at UW-Whitewater, which is about 20 minutes away. We work with that staff all the time, and they keep saying, you know, this kid is special, this kid is special. It's Ryan Wisniewski. Um, I remember back in 2019, I was watching a Whitewater game against Wartburg College. So this was pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a young cat. It might have been his sophomore year, um, maybe even freshman year. I don't quite remember. Um, just a young cat and you could already tell like he's, he's something special. He returned a kickoff 46 yards, got tripped up by a great angle by pursuit on the backside. So then you can tell he was mad. So then he takes an end around and he drifts back in the pocket and he throws like a, a, I don't know, 26 yard, just bullet strike to a late crosser on a little reverse pass action. And then Max Mailer goes in to score for, for, for four yards, and it's a two-play drive, and it's at the hands of Ryan Wisniewski. And then you're like, okay, this kid can do something. Um, Packer fans have loved dudes out of Whitewater, right? You had Kumro. Um, you guys were clamoring for Quinn Minerts, um back in the draft uh, last uh-huh. year. Yep. So um, you like Whitewater dudes. You got that homegrown thing, right? You got that kind of underdog thing all the way back to Jared Aberderis, and, and you go back all the way to uh, to Jeff Janis, and you know some of these underdog receivers that you see fighting through. And if there's one to do it who can make a real name for himself on specials, my guess is it's going to be Wisniewski. All right, that'd be, that'd be cool. Definitely one of the things that you like about having the homegrown guy there is just built into his DNA is just this need to demolish the rivals. You know, I, I think you, you look at uh, this past year, um, Aiden Hutchinson in, in at Michigan. You know, I'm, I'm an Ohio State fan. I hate Michigan, even though I live in the state of Michigan. Uh, but no question about it. Aiden's deep seated hatred for the state of Ohio, for for the Buckeyes and just that that DNA need that he had to beat them, crush them. He rallied everybody together. Uh, I'm sure you were excited about that, by the way. I'm sure, you know, had nothing at all to do with uh, for you, your your Badgers fandom, that when I sent you a list of offensive linemen to scout, you told me that uh, the, the, the really the, the bums out of Ohio State were the ones that uh, we really didn't need to think about. And you didn't even watch them. It had nothing to do with your fandom, right? <laughs> if it's not a center from Ohio State, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm probably not going to watch the tape. Centers from Ohio State are going to go on in the league and do great things for years to come. Everybody else I don't really care about. And it was kind of funny because we were just watching the left tackle get drafted from Ohio State. And I had mentioned to you, I'm like, who's that guard? Like, oh, dang, like he can move. <laughs> You're like, that's the guy I wanted you to watch <laughs> there, right? <laughs> Fair, yep. yep. I apologize, I, man. I don't care about Ohio State linemen unless they're centers. Well, you know what? The good news is the, that the Packers apparently really like Ohio State centers as well. Yep. So uh, in, in the future, we can we can look at some other guys out of there uh, after Josh Myers retires. There you go. Uh, all right. I'm going to let you get out of here, dude. Super appreciate you coming on here. Uh, you got some uh, some cool events coming up this summer. Uh, who is it? Is it Aaron Jones who has a camp that you're going to this summer? Yeah, yeah. We're going to be rocking the Aaron Jones camp again um, on July 7th up in Green Bay. That's always a great time. You know, you get to see really that that Packers support. You know, I do a lot of these camps around the summer, you know, around the area with Vikings, Bears, um, just a ton of, of cool uh, pro events. You get a lot of these guys like Larry Fitzgerald comes back home to the cities and all these sort of things. 
and they're really good events, but there's just something special about a Green Bay one. You get a lot of the players there, and they couldn't care less about being players. You know, you, you tell right mm-hmm. away, like, a lot of these guys kind of shy off or, or, you know, get maybe uncomfortable around the crowd or, you know, don't it, – it almost feels like they don't really want to be there. They're just kind of there contractually obligated or whatever that is. Green Bay, man, it's a whole different experience. You know, Aaron Jones is racing these cats, and you got eighth graders that are running, you know, four nine electric electronic forties, like fast kids. Aaron Jones is racing them backwards, and he's, you know, <laughs> running jump balls with the kids. We were in uh, some inside zone read type of stuff with these guys, and he's, you know, being the read defender and literally tackling kids, and the kids are having the time of their life. So it's just, it's just different in Green Bay. It is a business. Don't get me wrong; it's always gonna be a business, but. If you can make a business and, and get that community feel and a little bit of that family feel, um, I think that's what draws a lot of people to the Green Bay Packers. And you see that it's, you know, from the top down, you know it's a business and they're very good at, at doing business, but it's also a community and a family. And that's it's just a neat thing to see. So I'm super excited for that. Um, always a good time up there in Green Bay with all the Packer players. Well, cool. Have a blast. And then uh, got to get you back on the show again soon. Hopefully to talk tight ends. You down for a big tight end? conversation that'd be fun for me oh always down to talk tight ends unfortunately my dude out in uh out out in denver now um so i'm gonna have to try to muscle my way back into that film room to talk yeah. some tight end stuff but, <laughs> um, be a we'll, new source yeah yeah we'll, we'll see what the uh aaron jones camp brings this year that's another reason i do it is i can sneak into the film room with the guys so hey keep your ear to the ground for tyler davis because that's the dude that the uh packers coaches and uh and, and scouts keep talking about they can't get tyler davis's name out of their mouth so i gotta start paying attention to him for that reason but you got it uh, have have a blast have a blast at that, that camp all right dude thank you so much for coming on always a pleasure thanks jj Huge thank you to Coach for coming on. Uh, make sure you check him out on Twitter, at Coach Hawn. Gives away a wealth of information and knowledge that uh, you guys will definitely benefit from, and he needs more followers, so please check him out. Uh, thank you for all for listening. I'll talk to you guys next week on Cheese and Packers.